Welcome back to the Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of the Wise Man's Fear and then we talk about it. This is page 478. And I expect you've taken precautions against that sort of thing. I have, Quoth admitted, but it was a good idea. It shows lateral thinking. And acid, Bast said, I know we have some potent stuff downstairs. Formic is useless against Roa, Quoth said, as is the Muriatic. You might have some luck with Aqua Regis, but the wood is quite thick and we don't have much on hand. I wasn't thinking of the wood, Reshi. I was thinking of the locks again. With enough acid, I could eat clean through them. You're assuming they are copper and iron all the way through, Quoth said. And even if they were, it would take a great deal of acid, and you would have to worry about the acid itself spilling into the chest, ruining whatever's inside. The same is true with the fire, of course. Bast looked at the chest for another long moment, stroking his lips thoughtfully. That's all I have, Reshi. I'll need to think on it some more. Quoth nodded. Looking somewhat disheartened, Bast gathered up his tools and carried them away. When he returned, he pushed the chest from the other side, sliding it back a fraction of an inch until it was square with the foot of the bed again. It was a good attempt, Bast, Quoth reassured him. Very methodical. You went about it just as I would have. Hello? The mayor's voice came hollowly up from the room before. I'm finished. Bast hopped up and hurried to the door, pushing his chair back under the desk. The sudden motion disturbed one of the crumpled sheets of paper resting there, causing it to tumble to the floor where it bounced and rolled beneath the chair. Bast paused, then bent to pick it up. No, Quoth said grimly. Leave it. Bast stopped with his hand outstretched, then stood and left the room. Both followed, closing the door behind them. That's the page and the chapter. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. Uh, I have a question. The mayor's voice came hollowly up from the room. What is the word? The room below. Okay. You said before, and I wasn't I sure if that was like a typo. Oh, no, I'm just, I just spaced out. Very well. Yes. Folks, he's spacing. Well, since I have the floor, many things, many, many things. Uh, one, the locks not being iron or copper all the way through is like a revelation to me. And then secondly, the uh, the whole paper stuff, everything with the paper. Let's talk about either of those things. Well, why is that a revelation to you about the locks? I just never considered it. <laughs> it's the kind of thing where like I think about like the construction of a padlock or like the kind of lock you'd find on a door for a second or two. I'm like... Yeah, it's probably not all made of the same metal. You just need, and in Quoth's usage, because he's using these two kinds of metal to deal with two specific kinds of enemy, he only needs enough of it to to neutralize their powers, right? He doesn't need the whole thing to be made of, of the thing to do the job. He just needs enough of it. And maybe those two metals are not as well suited to the kind of fine mechanical parts you need the interior parts of a lock to be made of. Hmm. You wouldn't need an entire kryptonite lock to to foil Superman. You just need, like, the outside of the lock to be made of kryptonite. Sure, but, I mean, copper and iron are both metals that you you would... I feel like you, you could make a lock out of. Like, you probably could make all the stuff in a lock out of those metals, right? Certainly copper. Copper is really malleable. Well, maybe that's not good, though. You know, um, you want it to not be, like, breaking or bending or the tumblers of the key will, like mess it up reasonable i suppose i don't know i don't know enough about locks to be to be knowledgeable on this let's move on to the crumpled paper (laughs) in the real world the internal mechanisms of a lock are made of brass or die cast zinc 
the cam, which is the tongue that protrudes from the lock to secure it, is made of steel or stainless steel. The outer casing of the lock may be made of brass, chrome, steel, nickel, or any other durable metal or alloy. So that's like four or five different kinds of metal. Well, why? I suppose I did not consider something that was very realistic to consider. I mean, I didn't think of it either until Quoth pointed it out, but then when he did, I was like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. I guess it does. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe it has all of those metals in it to foil various attempts at uh, incursion. It it also occurs to me that Quoth's chest is not, like, completely impossible to get into by these means, right? Like, it's not like it, it, it couldn't be melted. It would just be incredibly inconvenient for a number of reasons to do it, right? But theoretically, given yeah, it time, seems like if you very carefully tried to acid burn your way in, you could do it. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like an impossible task. It just seems like a deeply inconvenient one. Yeah, and like if you could like find a forge fire big enough and somehow get the chest from there to the forge fire, you know, you might be able to melt the copper lock and get it open that way too. But I think, you know, as with, you know, an actual safe, the point is not necessarily to make it impossible. The point is to make it impossible to do in a convenient amount of time before whoever it belongs to shows up to stop you. Although, theoretically, in this scenario, Bast would have as much time as he wanted, wouldn't he? Yeah, so I think that it's pretty clear that it's not actually meant to keep Bast out when Quoth dies. It's meant to keep out some other party or it's meant to be opened after quoth dies like i'm starting to think that the reason quoth is teaching bast all this stuff is so that he is ready to do something that quoth needs him to do after he dies or after he is you know no longer in play right but but quoth wants it to be accessible by a specific person or persons not accessible to anybody once he's dead yes Right? He doesn't want just anyone to be able to open the box and see what's in it. Right. He doesn't want it to, like the box to spring open. He wants someone to have to work for it. Mm-hmm. So that it will be the right someone, presumably. Yes. And Jordana, you wanted to talk about the paper? I do want to talk about the paper. Quoth is awfully touchy about being not touchy about the paper. I mean, because that's... Yeah, well, remember he, he... Yeah, he attempted to write a version of his story many times before... Uh, and every time he he ceased and he's like never cleaned it up, they're all scattered around the floor. He doesn't want Bass to even have a chance of glim- uh, glimpsing any of the things that he put down there. Hmm. I mean, why would be the bigger question, I guess. I think that they're too painful to even consider touching but also it is extremely relatable to me that if my room is messy i don't want anyone else cleaning it up for me because they're going to put everything back all wrong yes that is clearly what it is that quoth is concerned about i think it's that he needs his story to be told in order to enact his grand design but it's either too painful or he hasn't been able to do it for some some reason um it hasn't been the proper medium or he literally can't do it or maybe he can only tell it, he cannot write it. Yeah. Well, he maybe he's lost his creativity, right? Maybe that's kind of the, we've, you know, we've, someone know, the somewhere wrote that. The story he's telling is still pretty creative. Yeah, well, like, okay, someone on Reddit somewhere um, wrote that Coat is missing the V and the H. 
and that's his voice in his hands. Uh, and as much as I think that also is a stretch, there's something to that, right? He's not able to sing and he's not able to do his handwork. And so you could extend that to say that what Quoth is missing is his creativity and that he's not able to create unless he is, you know, reminded of being Quoth again. And that's what Chronicler is able to do. You know, that's the kind of galaxy brain theory that I think is extremely silly, but also if it turned out to be true, I would immediately switch to thinking it was extremely cool and good. <laughs> if the V and the H are what's in the box. <laughs> they like the little cartoon letters with eyes on them spring out and attach themselves to his name once again. <laughs> yep. I like the theory. It's weird, but yeah, there's room for it. There's room for all theories here on this on this year podcast. Is is there room for a final note? There is, if you guys are done with your note. Boy howdy. Well, it is the end of a chapter, and this chapter was called Interlude, the Thrice Locked Chest, because it is an interlude, because it's Coat and Bast hanging out, and it's the Thrice Locked Chest, because that's pretty much what they talk about for the entire chapter. That's right. <laughs> Ta-da! Cut and dry. Just the way I like him. Yes. Although I uh, I can't help but wonder. So I have said before that maybe the lackless box is a is a red herring, and the actual locked lackless door is the uh, the four plate door, the teachers' lounge. Um, and perhaps this is a similar thing where Quoth has you know bound the lock on this box to something bigger, something greater, uh, and that's why it needs to remain closed. Oh, that would be cool. Like if he had done some kind of sympathy on the box so that when it opens, that triggers some piece of sympathy somewhere else. That would make sense for the box being empty then. Yeah, exactly. And I think that is maybe what's going on with the, the lackless box also that it's, it's uh, actually sympathetically linked to something else, such as the teacher's lounge door, which may be on ancient lackless grounds, as we discussed, um, yeah. Well, and maybe if it is some kind of working on the box that he's done that he has to maintain, maybe he has to use all his alar to keep it going. And that's why he can't be creative in other ways anymore. Cause he's like one half of his mind is constantly maintaining this like epic piece of sympathy. Oh, that works for me. I like that. Hmm. Much like, uh, much like Cable in the X-Men, who is constantly using his incredibly powerful telekinesis to keep the techno-organic virus that is taking over his body at bay, which is why he has a robot arm and the rest of him is fine. Ah, that's why he has a robot arm and the rest of him is fine. Yes, unlike what the Deadpool movie would have you believe, which is just like some guy with a robot arm. No, he's much, much cooler than that. And in my <laughs> six-part essay, I will be explaining... <laughs> Go on, Jordan. Jeremy, what are you explaining in your six parts? So, uh, Cable, actually, Nathan Christopher Summers, is the child of Scott Summers and Madeline Pryor, who is a clone of Jean Grey. Uh, and he was sent into the future to protect him from people who wanted to kill him in the past. Uh, and in the future, 
uh, he grew up into a powerful mutant telekinetic, but he was also infected with the techno-organic virus, which his enemies, namely Apocalypse, hoped would kill him uh, before he could reach adulthood and, and destroy Apocalypse and all his good works. Now, Cable is so powerfully telekinetic and telepathic that he was able to train himself to use his powers to slow and then uh, and sort of keep the techno-organic virus at bay. But by the time he was old enough to do that, it had already taken over his eye and his, his arm. Uh, and so he has to rely on more conventional weaponry like big honk and guns and pouches and so on for a lot of his early appearances because he's spending a lot of his mental psychic energy like preventing the rest of the virus from like taking over his body and killing him. Later on, uh, that becomes less of an issue for him. Okay, so you said you were writing an essay. Where's your thesis statement? What, my is, thesis what are you statement, arguing? Here? My thesis statement is that Cable in the comics is cooler than Cable in the movies. Uh-huh, Okay. Well, uh, I consider that a acceptable introductory paragraph, uh, wherein you introduce the the people. You might even call that a it's the literature review. I'll take that as an acceptable literature review. However, uh, we still require uh, a body and uh, an argument, so we can return to that on another episode of Page of, of the Wind. Wind. Wind.